הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של דרכנו ולכל הצדיקים האמיתיים של אוכני עפר. קדושים אשר בארצם אביך רבנו הקדוש צדיק יסוד עולם. נחל נובע מכוח חוכמה רבנו נחמן פייגל בן שמחה נא נח נחמן נחמן נאומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. So ברוך השם today we do two pieces in שפחי הר"ן תורה כ"ט and תורה למד or sorry סעיף כ"ט סעיף למד section 29 and 30 approaching the end of our study of שפחי הר"ן בעזרת השם But uh, today we're going to do a very special piece, specifically Torah Haftet, sorry, Saif Haftet, section 29, which discusses um, what we talked about actually at the beginning of Shif Kharan, when Rabbeinu took a pit stop in Istanbul. We discussed how uh, one of the people there, or two of the people there, gave Rabbeinu tremendous pain and suffering because of the fact that they were embarrassing him, they wouldn't let sp- uh, him spend Shabbat by them. And uh, Rabbeinu obviously had to force himself down into this lower state of consciousness, uh, this low state of honor, um, he needed to diminish his own honor so that he could attain uh, the land of Israel, so that he could walk, uh, so that he could eventually arrive in the land of Israel. As Rabbanu said that he was basically Chayam Mitan in Istanbul. He was sentenced to death by heaven. God, he knew that he felt, or he knew that essentially he wouldn't make it out of life. And um, he knew that the only way to get out was through embarrassment. So we're going to discuss here why the person who embarrassed him was punished in this um, and why he passed away uh, the second he arrived home. So that's where we start with Seif uh, Haftet. And let's, uh, let's discuss this, a beautiful parable Rabbeinu gives us to understand what really happened. And this man who had really insulted Rabbeinu in Istanbul, we know there was a pair, it was a pair of two people that insulted Rabbeinu tremendously, but one of them was especially insulting one of them was especially strong and insulting Rabbeinu's honor and uh, we're going to discuss this man specifically the second he arrived home he immediately uh, passed away he expired and uh, and Rabbeinu's attendant trying to understand what happened here asked Rabbeinu himself isn't it written in, uh, in Mishle he asked Rabbeinu for the tzaddik to punish is also not good. So Rabenu, he asked Rabenu, why is it that this man was punished? Is it not good to, isn't it not good for you to punish him? So now Rabenu is going to say how it wasn't really that he was punishing him at all. We're going to see here the parable. Rabenu responded with a parable. There was once a king. And this king loved one of the young princes especially, very much, and he was very affectionate of him, meaning he really had this, he really respected him. And he drew this young prince close with all sorts of love and affection. And afterwards, as the the prince grew up, he did something highly disrespectful to the king. And the king responded to this act of disrespect. Teda, you have to know this, he told the young prince. Even though I love you very much. Nonetheless, it's impossible for me to pass over the law and the justice of this kingship. It's impossible for me to pass over the laws of uh, my And Your sentence is basically death. You are sentenced to die. What you did was... Um, Disrespecting the king, and for this disrespect, it, um, it requires a death. 
immediately after the king told him this, he commanded his officers to tie him up to uh, in iron chains and to imprison him. And this prince, this young man, began to imagine or picture in his mind the sufferings that he would have to go through. The suffering that he would have to endure because of this death. But he saw that his pain would not last too long. It wouldn't be for so long. It would only be until the point where he died. After he died, he will feel no more pain anymore. But the second this prince began to imagine the pain of the king, he saw that the pain of the king will grow very great. Because the pain of the king will, be, will last forever until the king's death. Because he knows, this prince knew, that the king loved him very, very much, but he was just forced to do this. And that also, that after this man would pass away, he understood that the king would have great yearning for this person because of his love for him. And that he would have great pain. Forever. And this man began to realize that he has even more compassion over the, the anguish of the king than his own pain. And now he began to ponder thoughts of how to save the king from his, own, from his anguish. He didn't care about his own pain. He cared about the king's pain. And now he began to think about how to avoid this pain. And he began to conclude that there's a possibility to, to avoid the pain of the king. And he said like this, Isn't embarrassment or shame considered like death, as we know? We see this with the, um, the story of Tamar and the Yehuda, that Tamar was willing to accept death upon herself, to be thrown into a fiery furnace, just not to embarrass Yehuda. See that embarrassment? is literally like death. It's brought down in the, Chacham, the words of the Chachamim. And he began to command the office and um sorry. Oh, and this young prince began to command the officer of imprisonment, basically the, the prison guard, to bring him before the king. And the uh, Amar and he told the king, I know the truth. That your pain is greater than my pain. But it's impossible for you to over to pass over the law and the statutes of this kingship. Basically, the man is telling the king, I know that your pain is greater than my pain from this act. From the fact that I will die, your pain will be greater than mine. But it's impossible for you to let this go, essentially. And uh, he continues along this fashion. So the, the prince gives him a piece of advice. He says, I have uh, the ultimate piece of advice for you. That uh, try to create a strategy, a plot, so that one person will embarrass me in public. And this embarrassment is considered like death, as we know. Therefore, try to bring out one of the captives, one of the the captives who are thieves, whose uh, de- whose uh, sentence is death, sentenced to be killed. He's on death row essentially. Bring him to me. 
And I'll provoke him until he gets angry at me. embarrasses me. And he strikes me in public. From this act, I will receive tremendous embarrassment. I'll be considered as if I died. And afterwards, take the condemned criminal who has already been condemned, who without this is already supposed to die, and kill him according to the law. And now the world will think that because he disgraced the servant of the king who you loved, he has been killed. And neither the king's honor nor his servant's honor will be desecrated. A beautiful piece of advice. Sometimes we see a person disgraces, insults the tzaddik. The tzaddik obviously being in this parable, the prince of the king. And the truth is, he's doing something very good to the tzaddik. Because essentially he's atoning for the fact that the tzaddik should have passed away had he not been embarrassed. He's atoning this. And he's on the tzaddik to survive. Because if not, if, he wasn't, if the tzaddik wasn't embarrassed, he would have to die. And the death is exchanged basically with his embarrassment. But nonetheless, it's not God's honor um, not to punish this man who embarrassed the king, the king's servant who he loved very much. Meaning, it's not right to just let the punishment of this servant go um, uh, unsentenced uh, because he really embarrassed one of the king's precious uh, people. And to punish the person who actually saved the tzaddik, who had disgraced the tzaddik, but yet saved him from a death, it's also not good to punish him. To punish him. The tzaddik to punish is also not good. And therefore, Hashem Yitbarach, with his awesome reasoning and awesome ways, he transforms this situation and he basically puts in the tzaddik path a person who's already sentenced to death and is already supposed to be punished in this fashion and sometimes they might even be in the same hotel or the same inn page 10b and this person who disgraces the tzaddik, and the tzaddik is now exempt from the judgment of death that he's supposed to have. And this man is punished afterwards. And he sanctified, he sanctifies the name of heaven. That for the sake of the honor of the tzaddik, he's punished. Essentially, he saves the tzaddik. And he sanctifies the name of heaven in this fashion. And he too is punished, obviously, because he's already a dead man. And essentially, by dishonoring the name of the tzaddik, he uh, what do you call it? He uh, he's he's killed. And Rabbanu says the truth is this man, the man who's killed, is already a dead man. He's already supposed to be killed. Because his punishment's already been decreed since the beginning. And the ways of Hashem we see from here, from this parable, are upright. And there's no unrighteousness in him. Meaning that Hashem utilizes a person who's already been decreed for death to cause this embarrassment to the tzaddik so that he's punished. But essentially he's already been punished beforehand. And now the tzaddik is saved and now this man is put to death. Uh, obviously 
in a way where he actually is able to sanctify the name of God. A very awesome thing. Se'if Lamed. And now we see why Rab, Rab, uh, this person who disgraced Rabenu was punished because Rabenu was supposed to die already in Istanbul. And Hashem, with his awesome mercy, brought a person who was already supposed to die before Rabenu. And this man disgraced Rabenu. And um, he was punished after for this. But essentially, he was already punished beforehand. He was already supposed to pass away. Se'if Lamed. When Rabenu was in Israel, he was engaging in Torah study, in prayer. And every single day he himself wrote his own Torah insights. Rabenu took great pride in this. He extolled himself and he said like this. The difference between the Torah of the diaspora and the Torah of the land of Israel is like the distance between the East and the West. And every single day while Rabenu was in Israel, many great people with small people began to serve Rabenu in order to hear his awesome wisdom, his awesome Torah wisdom, his holy Torah wisdom that was so very great. We see that Rabenu the entire Likud Moran is founded on lessons that Rabenu taught after the land of Israel. When Rabenu returned, he commanded his students to burn the writings that he had previously, that he wrote before the land of Israel. And Rabbi Natan was crying when he saw this. And uh, I think it was actually before Rabbi Natan, I might be mistaken of something else. Uh, Rabbi Natan was crying, I think, um, when Rabenu commanded to burn a chest of writings towards the end of his life. But nonetheless, when he came back, he also burnt those writings. And the students were very disturbed by this because there were such awesome lessons. Already Rabenu had attained such tremendous levels that people uh, we hadn't seen before. And yet again, uh, Rabenu said he didn't want that Torah. He said, I only want novelty. And the Torah that I have gotten from, out, from the land of Israel, once I stepped foot in there, is so far superior than the one I've taught beforehand. And the students were upset by this. But... Um, we see here that only very few pages, only like a page and a half of the lesson in the Moran, um, I think in the Lashon of the Chavirim, the, the teachings that were uh, written by the, um, or that were uh, told to Rabbi Natan in the name of the other students, meaning Rabbi Natan wasn't there to hear the actual lesson himself. He wrote it um, uh, verbatim from the students who were there at that time, meaning before Rabbi Natan drew close. And uh, those few, that page and a half in Nikut Moran is the teaching before Israel. But other than that, the entire book is uh, the teaching of Rabenu after he came back. We see here, Rabenu never stayed on the same level. He was always growing level by level till the last day he passed away, last moment. Rabenu said, I can uh, in one moment do what it would take uh, a man 70 years to do in, in uh, godly service. In one moment, I can attain what it can take a, a person to do in 70 years of Avodat Hashem. So, we have no idea what this really means, but we have to have emunah, the be'emet, the Torah Rabbeinu is something very special, and it's far superior than we think, even though on the surface level it's very simple. Nonetheless, we're talking about the highest secrets, the deepest pieces of advice, advice that can really turn a person into a complete batshuva, a complete tzaddik. Hashem, may we follow Rabbeinu's Torah, follow Rabbeinu's pathway, and uh, follow his advice till we become truly upright people.